of the Batman Universe specials. We are here with a reaction episode regarding Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. I am here with a humongous panel of staff members from TBU. Uh, let's just run down the list. Uh, first up, we have myself and Ed, who is from our comic cast. Hey, hey, it's me. Uh, then we have, uh, moving down the list, we also have from some of our other podcasts, we have Rob from Everyone Loves the Drake, as well as our Batman and Robin Eternal specials that we've been doing. How's it going, everyone? Rob also produces our TV merch reviews over on the website. Then uh, from Bat Books for Beginners, we have John. Thanks for having me on, guys. Then we have uh, from Backle to Oracle, he does some Batman 66 segments segments, and also was recently a guest host on Backle to Oracle. We have Chris. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. And then we get into our website staff. We have a bunch of our comic book reviewers. First up, Corbin. Howdy. We have Jerry. Hi, everybody. We have Bill. Hey, everyone. And Ryan. Hello. A ton of guys uh, from the site and from the podcast. Uh, a, a good good mix of people from a variety of different uh, aspects of the website. Obviously, we're, we're a little bit uh, heavy on the comic area, but uh, then again, the website is always comic book heavy if you view the website. So... We have a ton of stuff to talk about. First up, we're going to talk about whether or not Batman vs. Superman was good or bad. So, we're going to roll down the list. I'll give my thoughts first. Uh, I saw Batman vs. Superman at an early screening Monday night. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I took my five-year-old son to, to watch it as well. He also enjoyed it. Um, and I thought, you know, there was, there was a lot of really cool moments within the film. Uh, the film definitely had its flaws. There's no denying that. Um, but overall, I thought the movie did, is a really good way of introducing what is to come. I mean, this is definitely the first step. There are hurdles to overcome moving forward with the DC film universe. But overall, I think this was a good stepping on point if you want to ignore Man of Steel. So, yeah. And, you know, this is Bill. And, you know, as far as the, the movie's concerned, I went with my brother on. Uh, I think it was Friday opening day of the weekend. And, you know, we had a good time with it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I think we got one of our maybe better Batman we've seen on, on the screen. And, uh, you know, enjoyed it a lot. And I was, a, I was actually a fan of Man of Steel. I thought it was a good movie. This one, you know, may have, uh, shaken my faith a little bit in Snyder, but, you know, that we can talk about that later. But overall, you know, I had a good time with it. And like you just said, Dustin, it definitely, it's got hope for the future of the DC universe. So yeah, that was uh, definitely something to look forward to. And this is uh, Jerry. So I definitely enjoyed the movie as well. Um, there were definitely some flaws. There were some slow points. Um, there was some, um, the plot kind of wandered a little bit uh, at times, but uh, overall I thought that, you know, for me it was kind of live or die on how good the Batman um, um, Affleck did. And uh, I enjoyed his portrayal of both Bruce and Batman. So uh, overall, I thought it was uh, uh, definitely a good time, and I enjoyed myself. Uh, this is Ryan, and uh, I went to see uh, BVS uh, what was it, Thursday night um, before the opening day, and actually went again this afternoon just to see it a second time, just to kind of get it fresh for tonight. Um, I really enjoyed the film. I thought it was pretty good. A um, couple flaws here and there, a um, couple plot holes, and... Uh, um, you know, I was looking forward to seeing the film. Um, not much of a Superman fan, so I was really looking forward to seeing Batman punch him in the face a bunch of times. So that was always good. 
Um, but yeah, overall, I uh, I really liked it. This is Rob. Uh, I saw it on the, uh, I guess, the preview Thursday night. I guess you want to call it that. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I made the mistake of going dark, and then I kind of decided, well, I'll see what people are saying, and then I got scared by some critic reviews, so I spent half the movie going, is this bad? Is this bad? I walked out and went, man, I loved it. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. I was really good. This is Chris. I really wanted to like this movie. I did not like it, I'm afraid. I saw this on Thursday night. I think I had the same reaction as the audience had. I, it was as if once the film started, we were all given an IV drip, and we were slowly sedated with, into boredom, and by the time uh, two-thirds of the movie passed and the last third of the movie rolled around, when the action culminated and there were things to get excited about, I think we were all too somewhat in a passive coma uh, to, to really uh, feel interested or engaged in the characterizations. I had problems with the characterizations and the motivation of, of the characters involved, which we'll get into a little later. But uh, I really wanted to come out of this uh, optimistic, and I have a lot of questions with uh, where where the franchise will go from here based on the critical reviews versus the box office take. And with that, I'll pass it on to John. Yeah, this is John. Um, I agree with Chris as far as I didn't like the film. Um, my problem with it that no one has seemed to mention is that this is a Superman film that has Batman in it, and so it is very much geared towards Superman and what they wanted to do with Superman, and I feel like that that hurt the portrayal of Batman in this film. I do agree with, I don't remember who said it, but with Ben Affleck's portrayal of Bruce Wayne, I thought that was very well done, but I did not feel his portrayal of Batman was done well, and I think that has more to do with the script than it has anything to do with his uh, performance. And one other thing that hasn't been brought up is there's two, three, four different movies being told here, and in a two-and-a-half-hour film, none of them get uh, taken to completion. Some of them get dropped. Some of them get a partial treatment that is okay, and uh, it just felt very disjointed to me. So we'll talk more about that when we get into the spoiler section, I'm sure. This is Corbin. I enjoyed the movie, um, but that doesn't mean I think it was good. Um, I do think it had some of the most amazing scenes in in any Batman movie that I've seen, but it, as a whole, there were just pieces that didn't mesh well together. There were some glaring flaws, uh, throughout the movie, just some story threads that didn't, um, match up. Seemed like everyone had their own thing going on. It didn't have have a, a solid foundation to base itself on. And so I think that did hurt the movie. And I, th- I think that like everyone has had, like there's honest truth in everything that everyone said so far. Um, it's kind of just depends on how you come at it, I guess. Um, because there are things to enjoy in this movie. However, I don't think that makes it a good movie. Well guys, <clears throat> it's Ed here. So I think I approach these movies a lot like I approach comic books, which can irritate some people. I'm sure from time to time. For me, it's more about escapism and just having a good time. I don't get, you know, too overboard on it. So I think my approach on looking at stuff is a lot different than other people's is. But that being said, this was a movie I really enjoyed. Um, I went to it Friday, uh, 7.30 or so with my, with my wife and daughter. Uh, it was a sold out IMAX, uh, show in 3D. Um, I can tell you that if you didn't see it in IMAX and, or without the Dolby Digital, then make sure you do it because I think it's really geared for that type of, of larger format. Uh, that wouldn't change the plot if you don't like the plot, but, you know, um, 
but you know, I, I liked it. The, the audience that I went with, um, maybe had a couple more Red Bulls than Chris's audience did because they seemed to be really into it. Um, they had a couple ovation moments. I mean, I think when you're going on opening night, though, you're, you're getting the, the harder or the hardcore fans, especially I live in a smaller town where we only have, you know, one real movie theater. So if you're buying it ahead of time, uh, that screening had been sold out for, for a couple weeks or so. So the, the average guy off the street isn't going to go see it. So it appeals to a more hardcore audience. I can certainly understand where some of the criticism comes from, from the movie. I mean, to say it is flawless would be incorrect, but, I've heard a lot of what you guys said about the plot threads, and I think that that was something that was almost a necessity that we had to do in a movie like this was Scott Scott Snyder, wrong Snyder, Zach, <laughs> Zach Snyder had to had to set up the universe going forward. And I think, unfortunately, uh, that led to some checkmark writing. Um, you know, check, 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 check. Uh, is that perfectly ideal? Would it maybe have been better to build a universe over three or four movies? Yeah, that's a, that's a valid criticism. Um, but I think for what we, what we had to get through, uh, I think we ended up with something that was, was not only enjoyable, um, but something I look forward to seeing again. And I can see being the, the cornerstone of a, of a new DC universe on film. Yeah. To, to basically round out everybody's thoughts, the, the big thing in my mind is that although the film had its flaws, there, like, like Ed said, there was a lot of check marks. And my main criticism is that the movie was very long, but it didn't actually feel that long. It just, it was, it was actually just very long because there was so much to put into the film in, even, even in two and a half hours. There was just so much to do to set things up. You know, you had to establish Batman. You had to, you know, you, I don't, I'm not saying you had to, but, they had to introduce Wonder Woman. You know, you have to have the progression of the Superman story. You introduce Lex Luthor. There's a lot of moving pieces in this. And to a degree, it feels like, at least to me, it felt like they just crammed a lot into such a long time, if that if that makes sense, which is the opposite of what you would normally say, which is they crammed a lot into such a short time. But that's not the case. There was just, there was a lot of stuff that needed to happen in this movie to get things moving the way they needed to go. So um, with that, I want to talk real quick about the critic reviews because the critic reviews dropped on Tuesday night, uh, a couple days before the movie came out for early showings on, uh, or the early screening or early showings on Thursday night. So about two days in advance and the critics just had an absolute field day bashing the movie. Now it is important to point out that the majority, I, the last, now the last time I checked, uh, there was about just about 200 critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It was sitting at about 29% rotten. And the majority of the, the reviewers, or the critics, I should say, there was a, some of the reviewers that were from some major outlets, like there was uh, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone, which is one that comes up a lot for a lot of movies. Um, there was a reviewer for USA Today. Uh, there was Associated Press. There were, a lot of them actually gave the, the movie you know, fresh ratings instead of rotten ratings. But they were in the very, very, very brief and small majority. So the question is, do you feel as if the critics went a little overboard? I mean, the majority of us are saying it was a good movie. I know some of you are saying it, you didn't, you know, you, it was not a good movie. But the majority of us that are saying it's a good movie, do you feel like, well, one, did you read any of the critic reviews before or after? And two, do you feel like any of what they were saying was warranted? 
for me, I definitely waited until after the movie to start reading reviews. And when you read the critical reviews, you, you know, it's easy to get into that, you know, I mean, we're all on a Batman podcast website. We all love Batman and we all love the DC universe. So it's easy to just say, yeah, I loved it. And, but like it was said earlier, it wasn't without its flaws. And when you read these reviews, they all point out things that, totally are true that you can't you can't ignore them they happened and there's flaws with the movie and there's plot holes and there's things that were, were wrong with it but it's one of those things where we have to understand that they're not coming at it from the same standpoint as a lot of fans are so that's why you see that big contrast but you know i i won't mention our the rival <laughs> comic book company on this <laughs> podcast but those other movies get higher ratings. So there's some people I've seen online that are going, oh, those critics are just bashing because it's a superhero movie. That's not exactly the case. So it, it is hard to kind of just put yourself in that um, objective standpoint. But like I said, as a fan, when you watch it, coming from being a Batman fan, you actually can see it for what it is. And that's great visuals. You have a good time. Um, like Ed was saying, if it takes you out of you know, or puts you into the movie and kind of transports you into that world, then it did its job to entertain you, but you, it's, you'd be blind to ignore the things that are wrong with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think that it is a, it is a flawed movie. I didn't see, uh, any of the critic reviews. I try to stay away from the spoilers. Um, so I really, uh, and, and frankly, I don't expect the reviews to be really good, um, for comic book movies, but, and not only that, but, you know, the other comic book uh, movies tend to be a little lighter hearted, whereas uh, a Batman movie is going to be a little darker and a little more serious. So um, I would kind of expect it to be uh, seen as a little less fun for a lot of people. Um, and uh, so I think I didn't I wasn't surprised that it was kind of treated uh, a little more harshly than uh, than other movies other comic book movies might be, you know? Um, so that didn't surprise me at all. And frankly, you know, that doesn't bother me. Um, hey, they didn't like Ishtar. So. Uh, normally I don't tend to look at um, any critical reviews online. I uh, tend to want to go in with um, a fresh take, come up with my own opinions. And honestly, um, the day after I saw the movie, first thing everyone said as soon as I walked into work was, Oh my God, did you love it? You know, I heard everyone hates it online and, and I've stuck by it and just kind of said, you know what? Like I don't listen to people who critically review stuff online, even though I review comic books on a website. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I would prefer just to everyone to go see the film and, and make up their own mind. Um, go into it with fresh eyes and just kind of realize this film for what it is. Um, yes, it's flawed. Yes, it has plot holes, but maybe that is set up for future films or future plot lines. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. So something we see today as a plot hole might open up and be a big revelation down the line. So, um, that's basically how I kind of, I, I still haven't read any of the reviews or anything like that because I've decided I like the film and I don't really need anybody else to tell me otherwise. Like I had said earlier, going into like, all right, I'm going to stay off the internet about a week into it. And sometimes that's hard to do uh, when you're doing a podcast. But um, 
then I started, you know, like the day before, uh, after the, the fan screenings and kind of hearing that, you know, it was, it was uh, done really well and the fans really liked it. Once those reviews came out, it was like, you know, my heart just sunk and I was like, Oh man, where is this Batman and Robin all over again? You know, that type of feeling. And, uh, a buddy of mine was like, screw what the critics are saying. It's like critics traditionally don't like, you know, the superhero, you know, type genre and excluding, you know, the other company. Even they have, you know, their, their flaws here and there. He's like, at the end of the day, it's about what you take from it and your enjoyment and me telling you, you have to drink chocolate milk, you know, that you have to love this. It's like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. And whatever reason it is, it's your personal reason. So I remember hearing, oh, it's, it's real plotty through the middle. And I kind of sat in the theater, kind of sunk in my seat and, once it started happening, you start seeing the wanes come out. I start perking up, and I'm like, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. So uh, beyond those first couple that I read, I haven't read a single thing um, since, and I I probably won't. I, I know what the film means to me, and I enjoy it. So um, uh, critics can say what they want. They get paid to write it, and I think sometimes there can be a bias there because they – We've been talking about this for three years, and this has got to be good. And I think sometimes somebody can say, I don't like the movie. It sucks. And that just rolls uh, right down the hill. And before you know it, you've got mob, ment- mob mentality after a while. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my two cents on it. This is Chris. I really enjoyed what everybody's brought to the table so far. With respect to the reviews, Rotten Tomatoes, and what have you, yeah, I, I'm a fan, and I'm hungry for every morsel that I can get uh, of information and whatever everybody's taken, uh, take was on this. The most critical thing I heard was, of all places, FM radio that said uh, this was the worst Batman movie ever and the worst Superman movie ever combined in one movie. And I thought that just kind of cut to the quick a little bit. Uh, that said, I really wanted to go in liking this. I'm a superhero fan. I, I feel vested in these characters. I wanted good portrayals. And I was just waiting to at least see something good, a positive review. What was the big takeaway from this? One of the questions I'd like to table for the guys later on, though, but because it was seemingly put out by a lot of people, everyone admits there are flaws to the movie and they're like plot holes here. But would would such a thing affect your overall rating and score for the movie? That's about it. I don't before getting into spoilers, but I remember a time. Back when I was a kid, I saw the 1979 Superman, the movie. I remember seeing the movie, loving it, walking away, thinking this was the greatest superhero portrayal I've ever seen on screen. I, I can't wait. Everybody has to go see this. And I saw a local uh, TV Detroit movie critic just pan the movie. And I was I was shocked. I go, what, what movie did this guy see? I, I can't believe this actually got a bad review. And now flash forward to here we are now, and we've got some polarizing opinions so i I really can't wait to uh get dig a little deeper as we go along with this so i avoid critic reviews going into things because i try and keep it as open-minded as possible i was aware that it was getting critically panned on rotten tomatoes and that there were uh non-critic reviews fan reviews that were praising it so i had that slight bias going into it but i did truly give the film a chance on its own and it just didn't work for me um the only thing that I've read since seeing the film, I saw it yesterday, which was Easter. Um, the only thing I've read since have been geek-related 
sites that have been posting things about whether it's the Easter eggs or how did they portray the characters, whether it be Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. And so those are definitely more up the line of what we're going to be talking about. But I haven't read any of the the critic reviews. And since this is still a genre, I feel like critic reviews are generally not favorable to genre. It doesn't really matter what the genre is. They tend to be more down the mainstream because they have to watch a variety of movies and, and report on them for their job if they're professional reviewers. So I don't put a lot of stock in uh, straight movie critic reviews of genre films. I like to, if it's a genre I like, I like to experience it as freshly as I can and make my own mind up. I went into the review or the uh, movie without reading a review. Um, me, I, let me explain the weekend. Me and some friends went camping. There's about, there's seven of us. We went camping Friday night uh, at a park, Saturday night, and then Sunday evening, we all went to see the movie together. After the movie, well, before the movie, I, we were looking at the, uh, overall score of the critics. And it wasn't doing too well. I think it was in the forties when I saw it last. When I think of that, and I think of a movie like The Hulk, and I see that that has a better overall review, that's, and then after seeing the movie, that just did not match up in my mind at all, because I couldn't even get through that movie. But after the movie was over, um, we're all sitting there, and my wife turns to me and is like, did you like it? There was a pause, and then I was like, yeah? And the more I thought of it, there were scenes that I loved, like I, I said earlier, but it, it just didn't mesh well for some reason. And I was the most positive one out of the group. <laughs> uh, we got outside and we all stood in a circle talking about it for a good 30 minutes. And none of them liked it. It did kind of bum me out. <laughs> and I think I went through all the stages of grief. Grief. I was in denial. <laughs> I, I got angry. First at my at my wife for not liking it, and then <laughs> we're joking that I had to get my things and find a place to sleep that night. But no. um, then that, that I quickly got over that, and and then by the end of it, I was I was just like I was mad at the critics, but the, but then at the end, I was just mad Warner Brothers and, and disappointed because whether any one of us likes it or not, this had to be a good movie. Okay, it may make a, a bunch of money. It's it's doing well on that right now. But as far as people liking, like, are are we expecting these all these people to line up and see the next movie? It just kind of leaves me wondering on that. Well, I'll say this, <clears throat> Dustin. Your first part of the question was, did I read any of the reviews? I read all the reviews, and I went saw it on a Friday night, just like everyone else here. The the idea of the DC universe on film is. It's something that means something to me. It's something that I, I want to be successful, not just so I can gloat over my Marvel friends, but because I want it to be good. And because the better it is, the more movies we get, the better quality they be, the more money they'll put into it. Um, so, yeah, did, did I look? Sure, I did. Um, was I a little concerned when I saw how bad some of the initial reviews were? It, it really it really wasn't. Um, one, I knew that Dustin, you had gone on Monday night, and if it had been terrible, I figured I would have got some kind of dire suicide note from you, at the very least, <laughs> telling me that I was going to be recording by myself here in the next couple weeks. Um, uh, but but I had some confidence in it, and, and like was mentioned earlier, genre films do get panned by critics a lot of times. Um, some that later turn out to be classics. 
Um, but when you look at the critics, I think that what we've seen is, is, is a conversation we've had on Comicast before and, and even off air that people are really disconnected from critics now, especially on things that we care about. Um, when critics say something is great, it doesn't really seem to affect the sales. And, and comic books see, you know, the Omega Men, which everyone says is amazing, but nobody ever actually goes and buys it. And I think with films, you have a lot of people saying that Batman versus Superman is the worst film in the history of the world, yet it's doing gigantic business. So I think there's a real disconnect between people and critics. I think that people are now using critics as a form of entertainment, but not really basing their buying decisions, may that be a ticket or, or a comic book, off what the critics are saying. They're just going, oh, hey, did you see this, guys? They said it was terrible. Uh, and there could be some people that saw uh, some of the reviews that said Batman versus Superman was terrible and may have been a little, um, you know, going to watch a train wreck. You know, like, hey, it's terrible. Let's go see it. Um, I don't think that would have led to $424 million in sales, but, you know, it, it definitely would have had some kind of bump there. Um, I was very – I went with was my wife and daughter. My daughter is about 13 years old. And – they were all very excited about it. Um, the first thing my daughter said at the end of the movie was she thought it was the greatest movie ever. This is a 13-year-old, so let's put it in perspective, right? Um, and she's a girl, and she got to see Wonder Woman on screen. So for her, it was the best thing in the history of the world. Uh, my wife liked it quite a bit. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that I think that like any shared experience we have, I think that the group that you see it with, and not just the people you're with the movie with, but the people that are around you in the theater at the time – could play a big part of that. Like I said, I was with a group that was that was cheering a bunch of times. We had two standing ovations during the food, the movie, and I think that you know, like anything, um, you can feed off the crowd. So yeah, that's kind of my thought on, on the critics. I think that people just aren't listening to them anymore when it comes to genre things or things that we we care about, be it comics or movies. Yeah, I think the 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 whole thing with the critics is you know in today's society where everything is live for the moment and you got to know everything that's going on minute by minute by minute with, you know, Twitter and everything else. Critic reviews, whether they're good or bad, it, it adds to a news cycle. And the, everybody's interested in the news cycle, not just, you know, at certain times of the day, watching the news at 10 o'clock at night when it's on or, you know, reading the newspaper when it comes out in the morning. Everybody's up to date with news almost throughout the entire day. So as reviews start pouring in, you start to hear about it as soon as it happens. So, I mean, I think the the news cycle is, has a lot to do with it and how the media portrays things has a lot to do with it. But I – see, here's the thing. So I saw it on Monday night, and I saw it before the reviews even came in. And I saw it, and I enjoyed it. I knew it had issues. I had uh, – one of our points that we're going to get talking to in a minute is uh, Batman Killing. I had a huge issue with some of the stuff that happened with that. And, but I still enjoyed the movie. There was plenty of moments in that movie where I got goosebumps and I was like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for for so long. Thank God it's happening. And at the same time, there's, there's other situations where I was like, it seems like this is a little bit more than they needed to do or whatever. But the thing is like the, when the critic reviews, uh, started to hit the night after I saw it and I was watching uh, and I was reading some of them, I was like, it really feels like they're basing this off of not necessarily they're, they're they're comparing it way too much to either Chris Nolan films or the Marvel films because that's the same genre, but it's not necessarily meant to be those other movies. It's meant to be its own movie, and I felt like a good majority of the bad reviews were comparing it way too much to some of the other superhero films, which, in my opinion, is not what you should ever do. You should always compare it to just movies in general. And that's not to say that this movie, you know, when not comparing it against superhero movies, 
you know, is super high, you know, should be getting like crazy critic praise because it is, you know, it stands, it's, it's against itself, against, you know, classic movies of all time. But at the same time, there's, there's a degree that you should be doing. And I don't think any reviewer should be comparing it directly to whether it be the competition or whether it be, you know, a previous film like the Nolan films. And the reviews really started to like bug me because it was like, I really didn't think it was as bad as everyone was making, you know, all these reviews were making it out to be. And I was really concerned because my wife, she tends to be completely uh, persuaded by critic reviews. She's one of those people where if she's, if I say I want to go see something, she will legitimately check to see what the rating is on Rotten Tomatoes before she decides to see it. And we already had tickets pre, pre-bought and I didn't want her to find out about, um, I didn't want her to find out about how the movie was getting bad ratings ahead of time because I didn't want it to, you know, her to walk in prejudging what it was going to be. And it turned out she saw it. You know, I did tell her ahead of time. I'm like, it's not doing so great. She saw it. I walked down. I was like, okay, so before we get into anything, did you think it was good or did you think it was bad? She was like, no, I thought it was good. You know, it's not the best movie ever, but it was very enjoyable. So, I mean, like, I think... Like Ed said, the the critic reviews themselves is becoming its own form of entertainment, and to a degree, I don't think a lot of people are really paying attention to it. Now, I believe that Warner Brothers believed that a lot of people were paying attention to it because, no joke, throughout the entire weekend, they kept retweeting anybody who was giving the movie praise, and my phone, which is set for notifications from that official Batman vs. Superman uh, account, was blowing up all freaking weekend because of them retweeting all of these positive praise for the film. So they clearly thought it had something, you know, it, it could it could have an effect. Although I'm not real sure who they thought was actually following the official Twitter account who would be seeing these, other than people who had already saw it in theaters, you know, in the first couple of days. But anyway, um, the box office hall, as as Ed said, it did it did really well. $424 million is nothing to scoff at. You know, the, the big thing is, you know, we're recording this on Monday, the Monday after... And we're releasing this as soon as we, as soon as we can. So within the next couple of days. But the big, big thing a lot of people are talking about is, you know, how much will the movie drop off starting next weekend? Because, you know, there's movies that do really well the first weekend, regardless of the publicity, you know, with the reviews and things like that. But then, you know, that stuff kind of catches up to them the second weekend. So the word of mouth of whether or not people enjoyed the film or not is really going to propel whether or not it drops off next week. And still makes it. I mean, do I believe that this movie could still make a billion dollars worldwide? Most definitely. I mean, first week in, almost a half a half a billion dollars. I think it's well worth it. Well within its range to hit that billion. It definitely. I think the critics. I don't think mean as much as they once did, even though the media portrays them as as, as if it should. So the first real big talking point I want to talk about is, like I said, the the one thing that I had a problem since we, you know since we first started, uh, or since I first saw the film before the reviews popped in and all of that. So within the film, there was, you know, within the trailers, they, they showed Batman having, you know, guns on his Batwing, having guns on his Batmobile. Uh, promotional stuff showed guns. Uh, we saw in the trailer Batman holding a sniper rifle. And the thing is, everybody was questioning, really, Batman's going to kill him this? This is crazy. This is nuts. And there was a lot of controversy around that. And I chalked it up to, let's just wait and see how it works out. Even though there was a trailer that distinctly showed the Batwing bat, bat mowing down guys in trucks. And I was like, 
I don't know how you can get out of that other than it's just not Batman inside the Batwing. But they're okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you might they survive. Yeah. I mean, we all saw the film. Batman has, you know, he definitely has some pretty big moments where um, there's a number of, there's a body count. There definitely is a body count throughout the film. Um I want to get everyone's feelings on that first and foremost, because honestly, like I said, you know, we, we are the Batman universe. We can sit here and talk about Wonder Woman and Superman later on, but I want to talk about this because I think this is a big, big point right off the bat. Now, the amusing thing is that was my main complaint was I thought it was very strange how easily he was killing people. And I had heard a couple of different interpretations of, you know, how, how you could accept it and how you could be okay with it. And some of them are okay and some of them make sense. But the way it was portrayed in the film for me was it didn't make any sense. Um, now, Zack Snyder was asked the question after the movie came out. He was actually asked the question. And his his response was he tried to do it or he said, I tried to do it in a technical way. Um, he said, there, you know, going back to all of the previous Batman films, uh, there was a bunch of kills even in the Nolan films. I tried to do it by proxy, shoot the car they're in, the car blows up or a grenade goes off in the guy's hand. When he shoots the tank, the guy pretty much lights the tank himself. But I perceive it as not him not killing directly. But if the bad guys are associated with the thing that happens to blow up, he would say that's not really my problem. Uh, a little more like manslaughter than murder, although I would say in the Frank Miller comic book that I reference, he kills all the time. There's a scene from the graphic novel where he busts through a wall, takes the guy machine gun, and looks look and, and look at that little vignette from the scene in Dark Knight Returns. And at the end, he shoots the guy right between the eyes with a machine gun. One shot. Of course, I went to the gas tank, and all the guys I work with were like, you got to shoot him in the head because they're all comic book dorks. And I was like, I'm not going to be the guy that does that. Now, here's the problem that I have with that statement and the problem with Batman killing by proxy. Um, you're going half measure. You either have him just kill like he does in The Dark Knight Returns, and you chalk it up to his, you know, he's gone too far. Alfred alludes earlier in the film you know, have we gone or has, have the rules changed? And he says, no, Alfred, we're, we've been criminals. We've always been criminals. And the thing is, that's fine, you know, but don't go half measure and have a gun that is, looks like a sniper rifle that only shoots a tracer dart. Or, you know, in my mind, don't have, uh, Batman go hand to hand combat and have no problem, you know, blowing a hole with, uh, into a, into a flamethrower that causes the person to blow up. But then at the same time, he has, you know, has, uh, it, you know, he doesn't do anything to these other guys. Uh, the nightmare scene when he uses a gun, no problem using the gun. I mean, I chalked it up to that it was a nightmare, so fine. But when it was the scene where he's in the Batmobile destroying cars and he was dragging a car that potentially had bodies in it, I was just thinking to myself, this just seems a little too far. I could just, you know, if it was an empty car and they made sure to show it was an empty car, I could chalk it up. But he's literally dragging a car that most likely has people's bodies in it. This might be a little too far. So I want to hear everybody's thoughts on that because that was the big thing for me. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, I know when I walked out there with my brother, uh, we obviously are kind of deflating and talking about the movie. I just go... I turn to him and I say, and, you know, that was pretty shocking that Batman killed a bunch of guys. And he goes, no, he didn't. I'm like, he absolutely killed at least 12 guys in that movie. And the Bat, the Batmobile, I get what Snyder was saying, and, and, and I get it, but there's still that element of Batman that it separates him from 
a lot of other, you know, separating from like the Punisher, someone who actually does actually go out and kill the villains. That's what separates him. He has that no kill policy. And we even have, it's, it's almost not fair to Snyder, but you know, it's the way it is. We just came off the Christopher Nolan movies only a couple of years ago. And the big rule in that movie was no kill. I have one rule. I do not kill. And, and, that was just hammered into our brains as audience members watching that. And then here we go with the next uh, version of Batman, and he is just, like you said, mowing guys down. I actually was a little surprised we didn't get maybe a little bit of that Dark Knight Returns where the bullets were rubber or something. And obviously when the when the cars blew up, I very quickly realized they were not rubber. But that was something that I thought very much was going to be... Zack Snyder said that it was an influence, so I figured there would be some elements of that. And, you know, getting a more brutal Batman murdering by proxy or however he's saying it, the guy with the grenade in that scene, that actually didn't bother me whatsoever. Like you said, the nightmare sequence, hey, to me that's Elseworlds, whatever. He can go do that. That's fine. Um, but when we get him blowing up a guy with a flamethrower, it, it, there's... It, it's Batman. He's the... You know, he's the superhuman in a way who finds a way out of everything, and I'm sure he could have found a way to to not kill someone. That's what makes him so great. So, yeah, that that very much was a a problem for me, and um, I, I'm not sure how much of it was Snyder, as he's now been you know kind of put on the hot seat here defending it, and if we're gonna see that going into the Soul of Batman movie kind of Ben Affleck helming it, you know, we might see actually uh, him reining that in and kind of bring back, obviously, a brutal Batman, the Frank Miller Batman from Dark Knight Returns, but still kind of incorporate that no-kill, but I'm not sure, maybe it's too late. Yeah, well, you know, when, when I saw it, I didn't hear the, the Schneider comment, but, um, you know, I, I did notice that they were trying to make it look like, you know, it wasn't entirely Batman's fault when somebody would get killed. Um, however, you know, he was strafing guys with, with bullets. I mean, he was at best criminally negligent. Uh, you know, it was, it was not cool. But, um, what I thought, what they were showing, you know, as Alfred said, is had the rules changed. You know, I thought they were showing like a real disillusion for Bruce, you know, a Bruce that was at the end, at the, you know, um, you know, middle or end, towards the end of his career as Batman, and he's kind of given up and maybe um, given up on some of the ideals uh, that he had. But the the thing about this movie is how Superman, how how Clark and his positiveness and his altruism um, affected uh, Bruce. And I think towards the end of the film, I think you really saw that in. Um, um, in Batman, where he was like, you know, maybe it's okay to be a good guy again, and maybe giving up some of that darkness um, as a as a result of crossing paths with uh, with Superman. So I thought that that interaction between the two characters was actually um, was actually interesting and um, a little better than um, I expected it to be. Frank, unfortunately, with when it comes to Batman killing in films, um, the way I've always seen it is, you know, it's the elephant in the room no one ever wants to talk about. Um, you've got a history from the 89 film, Batman Forever, Batman Begins, where Batman has kind of blurred the lines of, you know, outright killing his villains or um, the way in Batman Begins where he's like, I don't have to, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either kind of 
uh, motivation. So the way I kind of looked at it for this film was um, kind of a, a, what Jerry just said was, uh, you know, Batman's kind of at the end of his career and he, he talks about, you know, 20 years in Gotham, you know, how many people stayed good and all that kind of stuff. So clearly it's, it's hinting at something has happened within those 20 years, whether it be, um, you know, the death of Robin, it could be, you know, uh, the conversion of Harvey Dent to Two-Face, let's say. Um, but something has kind of turned Batman dark and it's kind of, he's gone away from his original motivation of, of not killing. So that's the way I kind of viewed it was that I wasn't totally cool with it, but I kind of realized that this isn't Batman. Um, the way we know him, he's a little bit darker. He's more brutal. Um, and he's willing to, to maybe not outright kill, but definitely not save the people. Um, if they're, if they're about to die. Um, and I do like the fact that I, um, by the end of the film that he, I think that is redeemed within him, um, after he sees, um, what happens with Superman. So, um, hopefully, uh, once we get some more Batman films that we do see Batman making the choice to go that extra mile to, to make the choices and, and to, to turn away from the dark path that he's kind of gone down in, in, uh, Batman versus Superman. That's kind of where I was too with it. Um, I kind of uh, got a little bit, uh, this is my everyone loves the Drake coming in, a little bit of a lonely place of dying out of Batman, a Batman that is, has been through the ringer and is kind of like, I don't give a crap mode almost as things are going. Um, the kills didn't bother me so much. Um, it could have been like, you know, I'm in the bat wing, I'm flying through and I, well, I guess I got the gas tank and the car blew up. You know, I, I would have thought, you know, the Adam West Batman would have taken out the tires and the car would have flipped over on the hood. And they would have been like, golly, gee, Batman, the car flipped upside down. Well, yes, Robin, I, you know, whatever the, the corny line <laughs> would have, you know, would have been. But, you know, I think by the time. Uh, since we're not getting into spoilers, you know, quite yet, but when we're dealing with the, the guy in the gas tank, there, there's a specific reason why he's there doing the thing that he's doing. And I think that's where he's completely unhinged at that moment because of what he's about to do. So I think that's where he's in his no holds barred Batman Arkham Knight video game mode. You know, at that point. So the kills didn't bother me, but like it's been said, by the time we get to the end of the film, I think it's a Batman that's kind of re-come back to terms, you know, where he is. So I, it didn't bother me as much, you know, I would have liked to have seen him use the grappling gun, pull the gun out, and then, you know, break the guy's arm or, you know, or something like that. But I did know this is a Batman that's farther at the end of his rope, so... I, I was okay with it and I felt better by the, by the end of it. So it didn't bother me as much. I did have some problems with it. And I think once I saw guns, guns and more guns, I I think seeing this characterization of Batman took me out of the movie slightly uh, when we're sort of drifting from characterization and and not so much. uh, No one else has mentioned to the branding. I thought it was kind of uh, a, a little, a graphic and, and quite brutal. Uh, and I thought that was, uh, unusual. And I can't recall seeing like, seeing something like that before. Uh, but I think we've all talked about characterization and what our take is of it and then kind of rationalizing later on. But I don't know if we really 
had to mentally frame it that way so we could use this as some sort of acceptance. Uh, that's all I had. Uh, John, what did you think of the guns in Batman? All right. So as I said, when we, when we started this, the characterization of Batman in this film really bothered me. And this is exactly why it's because we're told that this is dark Knight Batman. But if you look at the timeline that's outlined by Alfred there, he's like, Bruce, you've been doing this for 20 years. There is no gap. There is no time for him to become this, uh, uh, disgruntled, bitter old man that we saw in the dark Knight returns and also the the catalyst for this which is the wayne building being destroyed in metropolis during the fight in man of steel seems just kind of out of left field when if we're led to believe that batman has been operating for 20 years in gotham and the joker has killed a robin as as we saw the suit in in the Batcave, he's been through the same stuff that we've seen him go through that has not broken his will for these 20 years. Why is all of a sudden, albeit a good number of people dying in Metropolis for with the company that he owns, why is that the thing that sets him over the edge? You know, why is that the thing to cause him to go down the path of the Dark Knight Returns? I just don't feel like the movie earned the right to make him into the Dark Knight Returns Bruce and Batman, who's willing to kill, who's willing to do these brutal things. And uh, one of those geek uh, reviews that I was reading said that one thing that The Dark Knight Return points out is that when Batman kills, the Joker wins. So I don't feel like this movie really put it in that light that because Batman is doing this, evil is winning. And so I feel like if that was the route they wanted to go, they needed to focus on that particular story as, instead of the couple of other stories they tried to weave into this thing. Because I feel like... For those of us that know The Dark Knight Returns, we can see why it's there. But for someone who's going into this with only having viewed the movies and really doesn't know the storyline of The Dark Knight Returns, they might be confused as to why this Batman is killing, why he would go over the edge like that. Uh, so that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I could see why some people would be confused who, who haven't read some of the source material. I do think that, like, for me, it, it didn't irritate me or, or, or put me out of it for the most part. Whenever he was in one of his his vehicles, whether it be the Batmobile or the Batwing, we've seen him shoot at people in other movies before. In fact, every single one of those vehicles have had some sort of, of weapon on them that he's used to shoot at people. And in Dark Knight Return, or no, Batman, he uh, he blew up a chemical plant with people still there. So I mean, we see we've seen this in movies for a long time. The part that that took me out of it was was the uh what Dustin brought up earlier the the cars when he he grappled to the grappling hook on, onto it and dragged it and then very skillfully flipped it over onto another car filled with people that that one kind of made me cringe for a, a second I, I wasn't quite expecting that um but the other stuff I, I feel like we've seen before even the the ending or when he was saving um Martha Kent. Um, we, I've seen him do those fights in the Arkham games, where he is brutally beating people, and it's pretty easy to say, yeah, those people are dead. Nothing really threw me off or, or took me out of it, except for that that vehicle um, chase. But I think that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with Corbin on this. Listen, this isn't for me. This is nothing new in a Batman movie. A Batman Returns, he set a guy on fire. 
You know, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, come on. Like the, the idea that even in the Dark Knight trilogy, although it's definitely a little more moralic on the idea of talking about not killing, the idea that some of his actions don't resolve in dead bodies is nuts. Right. Like, as as everyone knows, like if they, if in the comics, Batman started killing people, I would have a problem. But, but I, I do think there's a difference between movie Batman and comic Batman. And I think Batman, the animators, Batman falls in comic Batman. But I think there's a real difference. Um, I think the movie Batman gets a lot wider berth for me. Um, we've seen jet planes. We've seen missiles. We've seen everything. The other thing is I, I do think they give us enough here to see why he has gotten so hard. Again, it's, it is certainly one of the things the film does suffer from, which is there is so much going on in it. Sometimes it can be lost. But besides the fact that we have a dead Robin just like we have in the Dark Knight Returns, and that Superman has become, or in, in his mind can become, the kind of the worst possible outcome, which is an alien that could kill everybody. Some of the other things he says, like the little lines about, you know, how many people stayed good, I, I, without devoting more time to it than they could. And again, you can certainly argue that they maybe should have stretched us out a little bit so they could go deeper in the plots. But I think with the time allowed, it allowed, they really showed us that he, he's gone through a lot of bad stuff, even the stuff that we have no idea about. Why is Wayne Manor burned down? How is a Robin dead? There's a lot of stuff here that gives him enough credit, gives enough credibility to me, credibility to me to say, okay, this is how um, a more traditional Batman ended up with this much more brutal, hardcore one. Um, I would say I, I actually have a bigger issue with, if I was to say something I had an issue with, quite frankly, is the branding, um, over where we are with the killing. The killing is all accidental, maybe the wrong word, but I mean, it's all, he doesn't, you know, we don't see him grab a battery and put it through someone's forehead, you know? Heat of the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all kind of like this kind of happens. The branding is a deliberate choice to be cruel, you know? Um, so I think the branding is different because it is such a, he doesn't have to do that. You can argue that the casualties in this movie are the old, you know, would you kill a, a gangster to save Ma Kent? Well, the answer is probably yes. Um, but yeah, I, I can certainly get where the reservations are from. And, and if, and if I opened up all-star Batman number one in August and, and Batman was, was killing folks left and right, I wouldn't be too happy about it. But here, movie Batman gets, gets a, gets a free pass for me, especially one that's got this backstory of, of such tragedy and, and, and such bad things that have happened that, um, I give it a bit of a pass. I actually, I, I had a question about the, the branding. I didn't understand that. Well, not necessarily why he was doing it, but why people in the prison would then kill the person with the branding. Does Batman have a deal think, with some think, criminals in there? Snitch. Yeah, it was basically like a snitch thing, I think it was. It was basically like marking them as if they were a snitch. I okay. personally didn't have an issue with the branding. That was I was okay with because it was basically like Batman leaving his mark on these people. Um, killing them is a whole different story, but my, my like I can attribute the... The, the killing aspect, you know, when it's worded in the way where it's Batman's been through, you know, he, you know, he's been fighting crime in Gotham for 20 years. He has not really made any sort of difference whatsoever. So he is grizzled. He is weary. He is stepping it up because he has reached his max of, you know, understanding what, what, you know, what he has to do to do this. So he's doing some of this stuff. But at the same time, like, I don't feel as if that was explained as well as it could have been. Now, I do believe at the end of the movie when uh, he's talking to Wonder Woman and he makes the comment, he's like, you know, I failed uh, I failed him, meaning Superman. I failed him in life, but I will not fail him in death. And he talks about forming up the Justice League. I feel like 
he is getting him, you know, he is going to redeem himself in the future movies, you know, leading up to the idea of, you know, maybe he's, he, he's not going to be killing in, in, when he's in the Justice League and things like that. And that's my hope. Um, but at the same time, we have Zack Snyder directing Justice League and I don't know if he feels he needs to not kill. Um, I feel as if he's part of Justice League, the other members of the Justice League would have an issue with him killing too. So, you know, maybe that's how it all changes. But the, the next thing that I want to dive into, now we're going to get a little bit more into the spoilers here. So, uh, kind of, uh, we're going to, this is, we're going to do this as a lightning round kind of because there's a lot of characters to cover here. But first off, uh, let's talk about, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman. Now, not, not only are we going to be talking about the actor or actress who portrayed the character, but whether or not you felt like their role in the movie was done well. Uh, meaning, you know, did their story make sense in the film? You know, as, as did Batman make sense with what was going on in the film? So let's go through Batman first and then we'll move on to some of the, we'll talk about the Trinity in depth and then we'll go through the lightning round for some of the supporting characters. So, I mean, that was my favorite portion of the movie itself. And you're right. He brought a darker version of both Batman and Bruce Wayne. But the Bruce Wayne aspect was, I think he nailed it. You know, I think we saw it in all of his, you know, that scene with the little girl in Metropolis, you know, we talked about maybe the change that happened that made him go even darker in this movie than maybe he had been 20 years. That look he gives when she points up to where her mother had been. I mean, it's a very powerful, he, he really exhibits a lot of powerful emotions and his kind of desperation as to what he's trying to accomplish. And, you know, it really comes through and I think Ben Affleck really nailed it there. And, um, I, I don't think it, you know, it's in no small part to the fact that he is probably, I mean, he's just as much of a fan of the character as I think any one of us. So I think that helps to the point that he wanted to nail it. And I really do think he did both physically. I mean, how he portrayed the character even in the suit. I mean, it was, it was a presence to be felt. And I think, I mean, going back to the critical reviews, I, I couldn't find one really negative critic that had anything really bad to say about Ben Affleck. That was a very positive note on many reviews is that he nailed it. He brought that character to the forefront of the movie and to some degree kind of pushed aside the other ones as far as how good he was. So, um, no, I mean, I'd, I'd say definitely he was, he was definitely the best part and, uh, you know, in no small part to how Ben Affleck yeah, I'd have to agree. I think uh, Affleck's uh, as good a Bruce Wayne as we've seen um, since, uh, you know, my favorite Adam West. Um, but and I think as a Batman, he does have that kind of presence. And he was, you know, the, his body language is very brutal, very powerful. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the, the kind of punching fight scenes. I thought they were well done. Um, and, you know, he's got he's got the chin for the job. So I think uh, uh, <laughs> so I enjoyed that. I really like Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, I remember when they first announced the casting and I will openly admit I, for like 30 seconds, I was in the hate Ben Affleck camp, but then I kind of came to my senses and I realized, you know what? This is probably going to be another Heath Ledger, um, where everyone in the internet is on fire and then they see him and he's amazing. So I went back and kind of looked at it and. Watching him in the film, I totally agree so far. I mean, he's an excellent Bruce Wayne. Um, he has that, you know, suave playboy millionaire or billionaire 
um, in front of everyone else. And then he does the quick turns when he's at the party into Batman mode almost. And I thought it was, it was really, really good. And then in the suit, it was, it was really, really excellent. Like he portrays himself well, holds himself very well and was Batman. And I think that's, uh, all I have to say about that. He was very, very well done. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've been a Ben Affleck fan since Mallrats, which maybe that's not saying a whole lot. Uh, but, I, but I remember when that announcement first came out, I was like, oh, okay. All right. Ben would be cool. Like, why? Like, but oh, okay. And I remember a buddy of mine just flipped out, had an hour conversation with him on the phone and, uh, we're going to keep this clean, but you can just imagine all the words he was saying. This is horrible. After he saw the movie, he's like, man, dude, I'm eating a big fat plate of crow right now. Just talking about the party scene, uh, seeing him talk to Clark and kind of going back and forth. And then when he's down, uh, putting his gadget in to get some information and the whole like, oh, I thought this was the bathroom. I had, you know, I almost got that little, like, that Kevin Conroy little bit, that little flip that he would do with his voice. And then once, you know, I think it was Mercy kind of walked back out. He was real quick back into, you know, almost a Batman persona with Alpha. And I thought that is just some, some serious chops uh, that he has there. And then his presence in the bat suit, the one that sent the chills uh, through me was the very end scene where they tell Luthor, you know, to turn around, face the wall, the lights go out and you just see that silhouette and that massive body is standing there and he lunges into uh, Lex. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this, this is my favorite version of Batman. Yeah, I think he hit the Bruce Wayne uh, bits right on and his Batman was a, is a force to be reckoned with. I had reservations once I heard Affleck was cast, but they were quickly dismissed upon seeing him. I thought he did a fantastic job. I was very pleasantly surprised hearing him in interviews, how invested he was in the role. Simply put, that's all I have to say. I just thought he did an outstanding job, surprisingly. Um, I'm going to have to put aside my issues that we discussed on the last point there and just talk about uh, his particular acting and what he could do with what he was given by the script. And yeah, I think that jerk from Fashionably Male did a great job as Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I always thought he would be good as Bruce Wayne. I was concerned how he would do as Batman. Um, but there are a lot of things that you can do. I think the voice modulator helped a lot, so he didn't have to uh, try and do some uh, different voice when he was Batman. And uh, I don't remember who brought up the at the party, but yeah, he definitely did a really good job of subtly uh, changing from his playboy or businessman, whatever persona he's supposed to be as Bruce Wayne. Since this is not a Batman film and this is a Superman film, that's not dived into as much as it would be, say, in his solo Batman film. But that persona of the man who should be at this social party and then into the crime fighter that he has underneath that, that he dresses up as the Batman and goes out and fights crime. And yeah, he did a great job, however much it was him in the suit in the action scenes um, or the stunt double. But the, I mean, the action scenes were visually appealing and entertaining. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any uh, qualms over Ben Affleck's portrayal. And I am honestly interested in seeing what comes from the solo Batman film, because if he, if we don't have something akin to uh, the dark Knight uh, returns Batman, then I think I will enjoy it more than if we continue down that route. Cause that storyline has been borrowed from a number of times in Batman films. And I'd kind of like to see him move on to something different. When I first heard that Ben Affleck was cast as Batman, I was, I was actually fine with it. I, I was excited to see it. 
Um, my wife thought that I was crazy, um, but she seemed to his part in the movie. I thought he did great, uh, as both as Bruce Wayne and Batman, like you guys said. I also think that directing wise, I, I think that was some of the strong, like the strongest part of the parts of the movie. So if you're a Batman fan, you're going to have some great shots, some great scenes of both Batman and Bruce Wayne. The moments when he's trying to be stealthy, the fight scenes, all of it was, I thought it was shot really well. Like you just see a room and you just barely see something in the corner or of the room or something. And I just, I just thought that was great. It was like looking at a panel in a comic and Ed compared it to a com- like reading a comic earlier. And this did feel like a, uh, Justice League crossover event or something where you get a little bit of, of plot threads from everyone, um, all these different characters, and it didn't really stick with one point of view, which was ended up being a negative for the movie overall. However, it did excite me for future movies, seeing seeing these these solo movies, um, and and Batman is definitely one. I hope that they get one ready very soon because I want to see more of that. I don't have a lot to add. I just kind of co-sign on everyone. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, I'm not, I don't have a whole lot to add either. I think I think the one thing that I think a lot of us are going to agree on is that Affleck did a great job and that we all want to see Affleck in a solo Batman film. Now, everybody keeps bringing up the solo Batman film, and even though it has not, is yet to be actually officially confirmed, we all assume it's going to happen because, I mean, it's Batman. It's Batman. Come on. But the reality of it is, you know, the sooner the better, but, you know, we, we understand that Affleck has... Other, we understand that Affleck has other, you know, work that he has to take care of outside of just the DC stuff, which is truly unfortunate. But the sooner the better, and I'd love to see multiple Batman films. Now it'll be interesting to see what kind of approach they take if they do the prequel where they set the stuff before the events of this, or if they try to set it in the same timeline of, you know, what's to come with the Justice League and things like that. It'd be interesting to see what they do. But I think that hands down. You know, when they first announced, when they first announced Affleck, I was definitely for Affleck from the get-go. I had no problems with it. It did take me a little bit back and think, oh, okay, well, I didn't think of that necessarily, but I thought it was a good choice and I definitely was not disappointed. I loved the, the changes that he did, um, you know, from Bruce to the Batman persona to actually in the bat suit. I think that there was a, he did a really great job. So. Wait, I, I did have one question for everyone. It- was the modulator something that everyone was okay with, or did, was everyone kind of looking forward to seeing his Batman voice? Because I thought that was only going to be for the mech suit. I mean, I was I was very much interested in hearing his bat voice in the in in the actual costume, and then when he was in the mech suit, I was totally fine with that uh, the modulator. So I was a little bit like halfway disappointed, but it still ended up working out. It was just something I wasn't prepared for. It's better than the growl. Um, I really liked it. I know they use this similar technique on Arrow, um, to disguise, um, their voice. So I like that they kind of carry that over and, and use it. It was a good idea. I have wondered, you know, listening to Fat Man on Batman every now and then, hearing Kevin Smith talk about that, like, do the voice modulator, do the voice modulator. I wonder how much he kind of knew about it, but seeing it on Arrow, Going, ah, that'd be really cool. Why doesn't Batman just do that? And hearing it in the film, I thought I thought it worked really cool. I'm like, of course he would have a way to disguise his voice. So I, I loved it. I thought it was really cool, and it was fun to hear Alfred play with it too. Well, I wanted to hear it. I kind of resigned myself to the fate that he would be using a modulator, so I left it at that. Oh, I'm 100 percent for it. Um, I 
in the world that they're trying to set up, which is more gritty and more real, it makes perfect sense for him to do that as a way to disguise his voice because it's not the comic book world that we're used to reading where, oh, you put on a pair of glasses and no one can tell you're Superman. Like they, they, they tended to be a little bit more realistic in that aspect of the things that those people would do. So I feel like a voice modulator fits in perfectly with the type of story that they're trying to tell and as someone pointed out, I really didn't like the, the Christian Bale growl, so I'm glad that uh, Ben did not try that. And when you first asked that question, I was just thinking about how awesome it'll be to not see any YouTube videos of people mimicking or, or te- making fun of the Batman voice. <laughs> and then uh, as people were talking and giving their opinion, I just realized that someone is probably going to get uh, auto-tuned Batman <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll probably be on YouTube before the end of the week. Is this the first time I don't want to interrupt here? Is this the first time that we've never heard Batman say I'm Batman? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, listen, it makes sense. He should have a voice modulator. <clears throat> if I was needed to, to disguise my voice to, I don't know, beat up Frank Miller or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I, w- I would go buy a voice modulator, and my income is not in the billions. So, yes, it makes perfect sense to use a voice modulator. Yeah, I think it makes sense, and I think it worked well. Um, I don't. I didn't have any problems with it. It's much better than Christian Bale growl, so I don't have any concerns with that. Let's move on to the next uh, cast member, Superman. How do you think, not so much how did Henry Cavell did, because, you know, he was in Man of Steel. It's not as if this was his first time around. But how do you feel Superman was portrayed in the film? Did you have any issues with Superman in the film itself. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is still talking about the maybe his character or whatnot, but the the motivations for the actual Batman v Superman fight, I thought were, you know, I was looking forward to Dark Knight Returns. You know, the two ideologies crashing together, and maybe Superman, you know, and trying to get with the good graces of the government, you know, teaming up with them to take down Batman, whose tactics have become too brutal. You know, I was kind of looking forward to that. Um, that clashing of, like I said, ideologies there, but, um, it, it kind of made him, I, I mean, obviously he's got his, you know, his mother, you know, Lois, and, and those are always the, you know, kind of more, more of kryptonite to his life in the last two movies now than the actual kryptonite, it seems. So, you know, he's always going for those, um, those routes. So I, I was a little disappointed with that much. I mean, obviously I think, I think Henry Cavill is, like I said, in the end, I, my, I did not mind uh, Man of Steel. I liked his portrayal of Superman, and um, I think he definitely embodies that. You know, it's a darker universe, obviously, but I think he does embody that kind of hopeful spirit into some. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not a I'm not a particularly big Superman fan myself. Um, so, and I found that a lot of the slow parts in the movie were some of the Superman parts. But you know, I recognize this is Batman versus Superman, and there are a lot of folks that really do love Superman. And you know, it's the kind of um, emotional um, the effect that he has on Batman in the end is so important um, to the to the movie that you know I understand that they have spent a lot of time with him and Lois and the Bullet and Perry White and the whole. You know, it's not my favorite part of the movie. Um, but, you know, I guess, you know, objectively they needed to kind of really delve into, to him a little more. So that's, you know, yeah, Henry Cavill did, did fine. He's, I just don't have strong feelings about the character. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, the character of Superman 
uh, two is not one of my favorites. But surprisingly, with this film, um, like I did like Man of Steel and, and Henry Cavill's portrayal, and it was okay. This one I definitely thought was better. Um, I actually felt a little bit for Superman at, at some points, especially during the uh, the montage of the the news reporters talking about the effect of Superman, and and you can just see at the end there. You know, Clark sitting on the couch and just kind of shaking his head, like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. And, and it's sort of just blowing up in his face. And even when we get to the end, um, uh, the, the big fight between Batman and Superman, um, I actually kind of came down on the side of, of, of Clark and of Superman. And which is, um, surprising that I was like, Batman, this is not the right thing to do. You know, he's trying to explain that, you know, Lex has taken his mother and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I have to say, I, I really liked it. And um, for not a Superman fan, I uh, I got convinced. So it was pretty good. I enjoyed his portrayal as uh, Superman. And I've heard some people say, you know, this isn't the truth and justice and apple pie in America, Superman. And he would never doubt you know, what his purpose is here. Um, Perry White says it best, you know, this is a 1938, you know, or whatever, whatever the year was is kind of saying to the fans, this isn't the golden age Superman we're dealing with. This is 2016 Superman. And all you have to do is go on the internet and say, I like tomatoes. You're going to have 500 people say you're stupid for liking tomatoes. You know, the, the person that's trying the paramedic that saves somebody and, you know, cracks a rib and you say, well, I'm going to sue you. It's like, I, I just saved your life. I could have let you die, but I saved your life. And now I'm paying a consequence for having, you know, to do the thing. So when he's sitting on the couch, a friend of mine's like, Superman wouldn't do that. I'm like, yeah, your 1950s Superman wouldn't do that. But today's Superman, there's a, a, a price for what he's doing. And that's something that Lois was trying to say. So I think, you know, taking your golden age, hat off and checking it at the door and looking at the Superman for who he is right now, I thought uh, Henry did a, a really good job with uh, Superman and uh, I, I enjoyed it. Well, I confess I didn't like him as much in this film as I did of Man of Steel. I think the script didn't do him any favors with his depiction of Clark Kent. Uh, we've got Clark uh, being unfamiliar with Bruce Wayne. There's instances where he's at work and then he's off work and there's no repercussions. One moment he's uh, doing news, he's told to be off this story, beyond this story. He's Then all of a sudden he gets a sports beat. I, I just thought that made him, when things don't really work like that in the real world, I don't, when you're putting a character in, in that situation, I don't I don't think that's coming off. Uh, as far as his portrayal of Superman, I thought there was just a lot of uh, brooding, a lot of frowning, excuse me, and a lot of excessive floating in the air. Uh I, I thought he seemed thoughtful, pensive, but I, I, I don't know who I had more sympathy for, Clark Kent or Superman. I just I just didn't feel like much was there. Uh, Chris, thank you for bringing up the floating in the air. That's one of the things I really didn't like about their portrayal of Superman was the iconography around him. The Jesus figure that uh, he kind of was portrayed as in Man of Steel. And I think we get further along in that um, with the end of this film and his sacrifice and then that kind of um, coalesces uh, Bruce and Diana and gets, gets the impetus for the justice league going there. Um, I did not like that part. What I did like about Cavill's 
Superman is when he is doing the more golden age, the more um, classic Superman stuff when he's rescuing Lois from the uh, terrorists in uh, Nairobi, Africa, and when he's rescuing that child at the Day of the Dead ceremony and all those things. That was when he really shone to me because he was the inspiring, the the bright spot, the the hopeful, the superhero that everyone can look up to and and trust. And he is uh, stands for truth, justice, and I, the way. I don't know. I I, I hate to say American way because that's so uh, isolationist and and that's a relic of the past that I think should go away because we're no longer um, really living in a world where we're isolated nations. The world is available through the internet uh, so you can talk to people from all around the globe. So I guess the the human way the the earth way um so I, when he's being the more classic superman is when i like it better and i think he had some moments where he's shown in this film but i think again it's more with uh snyder and goyer the the producer director and and writers as to what uh he was able to do in that role yeah i i agree with that i i think that he those were the moments where where superman shown was when he was being more self selfless. And I think that's something that Snyder has kind of struggled with grasping the character of Clark. It seems like he's kind of embraced that Messiah figure that everyone is giving him. And uh, from, from things that I've read, he, he doesn't view himself as above people. He, he wants to do what he can to help. He knows he has the abilities to help, but he doesn't think he's better than anybody else. He, and he, he does give people, Hope because of his, uh, the things that, not because of just his abilities, but because of his, his personality and his motivation. Uh, you know, I, like you said, the, the, him saving that girl in, in the building, that, that was one of the standout moments for Superman in the movie. I was trying to think of, of some other moments and, and Cavill just didn't have very many opportunities to make Superman shine. And we had him fighting, but he, he didn't have many, uh, lines in the movie, it didn't seem like. I, I can't remember him having very many talking points. You know, it, I, I feel like I can I can relate to him and the human aspect of it um, more than I can Batman. Batman's a really you know he's my favorite character, but I feel like Superman is a more relatable character, and I don't think Snyder has been able to show that in the two movies he's had. For me. I think that, that Cavill is an effective modern take on Superman. Is he like we've had by mentioned by a couple other people already, uh, Rob especially. Is this the uh, is this the 1938 Superman? No. Is this even the 1970 Superman or the or the or the Donner Superman? No, it's not. Um, but let's face it, for an audience to be engaged with the character now, the idea of the big blue Boy Scout just isn't very effective. Uh, my wife hates Superman uh, passionately. Uh, thinks he is unwatchable and and. And she likes both Man of Steel and this movie. He's relatable. He's modern. I can certainly see where long-time believers of the old character could certainly find this abrasive. But I think that Cavill is very effective in his presentation. And um, one of the brighter points with this movie and Man of Steel for me. I don't read a lot of Superman, so I can't speak to you know whether or not he the, the character makes sense in the movie compared to um, you know the way it was portrayed. But at the same time, like. I actually enjoyed a lot of the Clark Kent stuff. I, I felt like it made sense. I had a couple issues here and there with Superman. There was a one of the biggest things I had a problem with was 
it just didn't make any sense that he didn't stand up for himself. You know, he hears all this criticism, but he doesn't say anything about it. And even as Clark Kent, he doesn't choose to write a story about the fact that maybe Superman isn't this bad person. It's left up to Lois to be his, you know, Superman's defender in the media. And I thought that, that there was an issue there. But I think overall, I think the, the, the story for Superman, even though this was in some ways a Superman sequel, I don't think that Superman was really the focus here. I mean, I think it's hard to have any other focus when Batman's in a project. And I think that'll be a testament to see how it works out with the Justice League since Batman's not supposed to be the only focus, but he will be the main focus um, because he just steals the show. That's just how it works. But um, I think overall Superman, what he had, it was fine. Um, I, but I, and I think Henry Cavill did fine with what he was given, but I just don't think that they did a very good job of making the character more enjoyable than, you know, you know, in Man of Steel. And I don't really feel like he had any redeeming factors. You know, a lot of people had problems with Superman killing, killing Zod at the end of Man of Steel. But at the same time, I don't feel like that he was actually, he redeemed himself, at least even in his own mind from, you know, what happened at the end of Man of Steel. So that's, that's Henry Cavell. Now moving into the last member of the Trinity, Wonder Woman. Now she only had about 16 lines in the entire film and she was on screen, you know, for, you know, a very small portion of the film in comparison to obviously the other two main characters. But I have to say when, uh, she popped in in her full, her full costume and that score was, you know, going crazy in the background, goosebumps went strooming through my entire body. Like, no joke, it was probably one of the, the best moments of the movie for me was, the three of them standing there with that, that score in the background. Um, I think for as little as we got, it made me look so much forward to what we, what we have to come with Wonder Woman next year. You know, I, I, you know, in some ways it's almost like it's a mini commercial for Wonder Woman that's coming out next year. And I think it was, they did an amazing job with Wonder Woman. I, I walked out and I told my wife, I was like, I honestly feel as if they, they did this character more justice than any other character in the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with some of that. I, I was, I will agree that, I mean, that felt when she came on the scene, I, I almost felt like they were playing some 300 music in there with the way she was going on. It's like some, uh, some action there, but, um, you know, it, her fight scenes were great. Um, and I just felt some of her, I, I mean, that was one of the big complaints when she was cast. It, she is not a, uh, a seasoned actress. Um, she hasn't been in a lot of things and what she has been in, it's not like she's gotten to really, uh, stretch her, <laughs> um, acting skills. I think Fast and the Furious was her, one of her movies. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I, and don't get me wrong. I mean, it's that, that shot of the Trinity there. That was a great shot and the fights. Uh, it definitely, it's something to look forward to. I'm definitely going to be, you know, going to see the movie, uh, her solo movie, but, um, I thought some of her lines and dialogue just kind of fell a little flat. It didn't, then again, they didn't give her much to work with. I did like her interactions with Bruce a lot. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought maybe they were trying to play up the, like, maybe a little bit of flirtation there. Like maybe they're going to go that kind of the Justice League, uh, unlimited route, um, with, uh, with the relationship between the two. I don't know if that, that might be something they explore in the Justice League movie, but, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I did like her action. I, you know, that was some fantastic, uh, fight scenes, but, um, I, 
I'm a little bit skeptical for what's to come, but still, uh, you know, still can be good. Yeah, I can't wait for the Wonder Woman movie. I think um, she did a great job, and and I think that actually, you know, you mentioned she's not a she's not a, a great actress. hasn't been in like a whole bunch of really you know dramatic roles, and that's definitely true. Uh, however, you know, those Fast and the Furious movies, she's probably done a lot of stunt kind of you know rope work, true. CGI kind of work. So I think she'll do you know, pretty well in this kind of movie. I think she's probably got those chops. Um, I, I also like, as mentioned before, you know, she's got this kind of internationalist flavor, which it kind of, you know, expands the, uh, the, you know, maybe some of the overseas box office, maybe. Um, but I do think that she's just compelling in herself. And I think that, um, she's gonna, she's gonna do a terrific job as Wonder Woman. And, uh, at least, you know, from what I've seen in this movie, uh, I've, I've never been a Wonder Woman fan. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the, to the next movie. I definitely agree. Um, I really loved, um, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Um, again, didn't have a lot to play with, but, uh, and the, the, obviously the Trinity shot was, I agree with Dustin gave me, you know, goosebumps and it was, it looked and felt in the music. It was just all amazing. Uh, but there was a one uh, moment in the fight scene where she kind of gets knocked down and laughs and then charges towards doomsday. And I was like, yes, that is wonder woman. It was just such a great moment. And uh, again, not a huge wonder woman fan, but I thought it, it was, it was really, really well done. I really liked it. I feel like I'm going to be repeating what everybody's saying. Uh, it was seeing her as Diana come in, and I don't know if everybody else kind of experienced this too, but you could kind of hear some oohs, you know, and you know, the, the sighs of seeing Diana for the very first time, and, you know, she gets the one up on Bruce, and then, uh, again, everybody's talking about the theme music, hearing that theme music. And I think one of the first things is seeing the black and white photo from World War One, and the first time we're hearing that theme music and seeing, you know, Chris Pine there, Steve Trevor, and going, oh man, I so want to see the, this Wonder Woman movie so bad, and uh, seeing her uh, with the Trinity, and uh, again with the music and everything, um, with Dustin, uh, you know, the hair stood up on my back and neck and arms, and I looked at my wife, she just has a big grin on her face. I, w- I wish we had a woman on this panel to get her their perspective seeing a leading superhero that's not like a a black widow type person that's you know seventh or eighth on the bill that you know uh, there were sizable cheers in the first uh screening that I went to and what I love going to a movie of seeing a character that like yeah i I like Wonder Woman this instantly I came out of the theater and go. I need to start reading some Wonder Woman comics that I've never really done that before. If like she was in Justice League, that's fine. But came out of the theater going, I could see me reading some Wonder Woman comics. So I, I loved what they did with Wonder Woman. And I think Gal is going to do a, a really good job in her solo film. When I first heard Gal Gadot was cast, I had no idea who she was. So I immediately uh, went online, searched her, looked at her photos. And I thought, oh, wow, she would make a great Talia, you know, for Batman. But... Then I said, well, Wonder Woman, hmm, okay, well, let's see what she does and see what she brings to the table. I thought she was great. Uh, she has this aura about her, like uh, the, the mysterious uh, bit to her when she's at the party. Uh, she's got this sideways stare, and I don't know if I saw it more than once or twice, or maybe it was just in a still photo, but it was just very mesmerizing. Uh, as Ryan said, uh, she has this 
bit during the fight where she gets knocked down and has a smile on her face. And I read in a print interview in the Chicago Tribune today uh, that was totally improvised. And uh, Zack Snyder had no idea she was going to do that. And he took her aside and asked, where did that come from? Was that just you? She said, yeah, that was just me. That was just pure instinct. He said, I like it. I'm not sure I like it, but or where that came from. But yes, that you, you've got this. I wish he had a little more to do. I really couldn't judge her acting prowess per se, but what I got, I, I totally loved, and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what she brings to the table in the future. As other people have said, um, I don't think there's really enough to go off of for her Diana Prince, um, but once she once she was in that battle as Wonder Woman, that was really the only point in the film where I had real anticipation, because I wanted to see how they were going to handle her, and I wanted to see if the little bit that she was going to be in this movie, because I just from hearsay had heard she wasn't in it very much, uh, was going to be enough to really excite me for her solo movie, and it did. I am very excited for her solo movie. Wonder Woman has always been a character that I have a fondness for but don't know a whole lot about because of the mythology. I really like mythology, and I really hope that, um, judging by what was on the shield and uh, her origins, I think that is going to be explored a bit in her film, and I'm hoping it's a major point of the film. Plus, it's a period piece, I hear, uh, which is another thing I really enjoy. So I'm really excited for the film, and I really think that fight scene with Wonder Woman was the best aspect of this particular film, Batman versus Superman. All of you need to go read Brian Azzarello's run on Wonder Woman right now. <laughs> um, that, and, I, and I'm looking forward to Greg Ricca on this on there also coming up soon. Wonder Woman was definitely like a quality over quantity type thing. You didn't get very much of her, but what you did get left you intrigued and wanting more. And I think to introduce her in, in that movie, her, her first big on-screen appearance, that that's, that's huge. And to get, I mean, I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about Gagadot's Wonder Woman. So I think everyone's looking forward to seeing her movie um, everyone in my group was thought she was great. I think that, uh, I thought they handled her great. I, I don't see how they could have improved on it anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was, she was, she was great. It get limited screen time. She wasn't really given much to do except fight, which is fine. <laughs> it's a superhero movie of, uh, you know, I listen, I thought the setting up of her flashback was great. I'm looking forward to it. And he's right. Go read Azarello. We also have a Wonder Woman Earth One coming out this month and Ruck is coming back. So yeah, it's a good time to be a Wonder Woman fan. Um, Great to have a female role model out there that is a lead, co-lead in this movie, will will be a lead in her own movie. Um, it's a great time, and, and quite frankly, it's it's far past the time that we should have that. Yeah, I think hands down, I don't think anybody has any issues with her interpretation of Wonder Woman. Now, the last one to discuss, uh, definitely not the least character, but not more of a little bit more of a supporting character. I, I don't want to spend as much time as the Trinity characters, but I, I do want to give up a little bit more time to the character rather than just saying thumbs up neutral because the character is a major character in the in the film, which is Lex Luthor. So thoughts on Lex Luthor? Quick thoughts. That is. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked. Um... I liked certain parts of him. Uh, I know they were going for more of the, at the end, more towards the psychotic route, I guess. So I guess that's kind of appealing. I would have liked an older Lex Luthor, but yeah, I'm still kind of on the fence on whether or not I like it or not. Yeah, kind of stuck between being entertained with that kind of heat ledgery kind of approach to it, and but it kind of lent, became a little tedious sometimes. Um, I really liked... Um Jesse Eisenberg's performance as Lex. Um, I thought it was very different than what we've seen before. Very um, crazy, almost uh, crazy Lex, but I kind of have a theory that that might not be totally under his control. So 
I'm very interested to see what happens with him. I really enjoyed him. Um, I more kind of on the fence, but leaning towards enjoying. And uh, Dustin, I just want to try and put a red Jolly Rancher in your mouth and see if I get the same laugh that I got in the theater. <laughs> yeah, that was spit that back out. I, I, that was one of the weirdest scenes. In <laughs> yeah, that was awkward for everybody. See, uh, it, it got a laugh. Yeah, it's like blue velvet. Well, I can appreciate uh, Eisenberg as an actor, and he went with the direction and stayed stick to his guns throughout the film. It was just simply one of the worst aspects of the movie for me. It just did not work. It was. I was cringing every time he was on screen, and I just did not care for the performance. Ryan, a co-worker, also has a theory, so we'll have to compare notes uh, with what your theory is perhaps after the podcast. Excellent. Um, I actually really liked Luther, um, and here's why. Well, there is a lot of Heath Ledger there. There is him sort of channeling that same type of performance. I applaud them for trying to do something different with Luther. Um, I applaud them that it wasn't a rehash of Gene Hackman's Luther or uh, Kevin Spacey's Luther, which was sort of a rehash of Gene Hackman's Luther, and it didn't involve land. It was a different plot that he was he was doing. Um, so I really I applaud them for trying something different. It did kind of fall apart at the end, and I'm curious with you guys who have your theory as to why he was sort of behaving the way he was at the end, and if that gets followed up on later, it may um, turn out to be a better thing than it appears to be at the moment. So that's my thoughts. I enjoyed him the part he played in the movie, I enjoyed his, his performance, but I don't. It wasn't Lex Luthor to me. And so for that, I, I'm going to say I didn't like it. I was hoping for a turn at the end. Um, he would get back to the Luthor that we, we are accustomed to, um, but that didn't happen. So I'm going to go with uh, down on that. This seemed to me more like an unhinged Riddler than a Lex Luthor. Um, yeah. I could have much, I could. I think I could have gone for this a little more if we had seen Nygma Tech as a rival. And this this seemed like a Riddler thing to me. Um, but anyway, uh, Eisenberg was chewing up the scenery. I didn't like it. You know, for the most part, I I think earlier in the film, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. Towards the end of the film, that's when I really started to have a problem. He, he just seemed like he went completely off the deep end. And there was very little justification for what he was trying to accomplish, in my opinion. Although, I don't know how many of you had seen it, but today there was a deleted scene that just happened to get released by Warner Brothers. I don't know why they would release a deleted scene today of all days, but they chose to release one, which is the SWAT team entering the ship and arresting, uh, I, uh, arresting Lex Luthor, but he's in front of some sort of what appears to be some sort of creature. There's all kinds of theories as to who the creature was, uh, but the one that I've been seeing get the most traction is it's actually Steppenwolf. I'll, I will leave the listeners to hit wiki up and figure out exactly who Steppenwolf is and how it plays into it. But I'll just say it, it deals with dark side and apocalypse and things like that. So that could have been why he went so nuts towards, you know, at the very end of the film, but there's no real explanation. So uh, going through lightning round of all of the supporting characters, here's what I want you to do. Instead of going in depth on every single one of these characters, I want you to, I'm going to name a character and you're basically going to say whether you liked it or you didn't like the character and their story and, and just leave it at that because we, we could be here probably for hours upon hours talking about all of the individual characters. So let's start off with, uh, Lois Lane. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Thumbs up. Neutral. I'll go thumbs down. All right, next, Martha Kent. Neutral. Neutral. Thumbs up. Neutral. 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 Who doesn't like the mom? <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> Everyone loves their mama. Neutral. I'll go neutral. 
All right, uh, Perry White. Uh, I'm going to give that one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Neutral. Uh, big thumbs up. He was excellent. Uh, I'll go neutral. Two thumbs up. And I'll go thumbs up. Uh, Mercy Graves. Uh, neutral, I guess. Very neutral. 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 Thumbs up. Neutral. Uh, neutral. There's not much to go off of. Neutral. And I'll do neutral as well. Scoop McNary's, uh, McNary's, uh, role, which was the gentleman, Walter, who was in the wheelchair, who ended up blowing up the Senate. Uh, his, your take on his character. Yeah, I liked him. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. He was good. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Interesting concept that didn't go anywhere. Mm, I'm gonna go thumbs down. Thumbs up. I'll go thumbs up as well. And then finally, I think one of the more important characters, at least pertaining to us at the Batman Universe, Alfred. Ooh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Two thumbs up. He was great. Two thumbs up. Thumbs way up. Jeremy Irons was great. Yeah, two thumbs up. He did an awesome job. Thumbs up. Thumbs up for the uh, Earth One Alfred. I will also do a thumbs up. Now, it, it, it's funny because if we look at all of the characters, the ones that we were unanimously agreed upon were all Wonder Woman, Batman, and Alfred. So I guess that's what we need to see as the next uh, next <laughs> film in the universe, say Wonder Woman, <laughs> Batman, Alfred film. All right, and uh, due to some technical difficulties that we did not plan on, we are actually going to end the first part right here. Uh, part two will post in just a couple of days. Um, part two will include a variety of different topics, including uh, discussions of, of various plot points, um, the Justice League cameos, the Easter eggs found in the film, as well as the future of the DC film universe. So we appreciate you guys listening. Hopefully you enjoyed part one of our Batman vs. Superman discussion. And we'll see you just in a couple days with part two.